0: Putting put in the name right now. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if some film studios are like, we're going to hold our film back for a year because we. No. Because they've done that in the past. They've gone, it's such a clear indication that this person's going to win. Wow. Why risk it? My uh, my bathroom light is made for horror movies. Right. Because okay. it flickers on at least 15 times. It's <laughs> like flicker and then it's off for a good like three seconds. You're yes. already in the room. Right. You've seen your reflection. Yes. And then you get another flick and mm. just like ready for like an uh, insidious yeah. level red faced man to Could, like come behind you. Because you also have one of those horror movie bathroom uh, mirror cabinets. Mirror cabinets. That, that if you, you open, it, open it and then shut it and someone's <laughs> in the reflection, reflection Yeah, Classic move. It's just ready for any sort of like cheap, uh, right. you know, anything just like cheap a horror ge- movie. A cheap film, <laughs> yeah, a cheap yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Waiting for a cheap horror, film. cheap horror, which I always is. That doesn't doesn't happen. Uh, in no, but uh, yeah, it is a bit creepy. Maybe I should list it. Really bad. Light <laughs> ready you also, for horror. You also have a very, it's such a like horribly white strobe. Oh, god, like, I hate like it. Cold LED. Yes, you know, just, it's like an old fashioned, um, slightly like diffused plastic mm. frame. Yeah, James lives in an old building. I think yeah, sure. in an about old building. I'd say this is about 100 years old. Uh, yeah, sounds about right, based on zero knowledge of architecture. I'll go, <laughs> sure, I'll go hard yes just on that. Lock on the wall and go, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm gonna say. Yeah, yeah so about, l- about 100. Yeah, that low bearing wall. Yeah, I think it's yeah. about 100 years old. Yeah. Old and dusty. Yeah. Uh, speaking of my area, somebody who I've seen like two or three times now is Dominic Cooper. Oh, yeah. And the reason I see Dominic Cooper is because he wear- he's wearing these really big black sunglasses, right. probably to hide the fact that he's Dominic Cooper. Mm. But what happens is I see this man with really big black sunglasses on. I go in my head, those are some really big black <laughs> sunglasses. Those are interesting. I wonder like what's going on. And then I get closer I go, oh, that's because it's Dominic yeah. Cooper under there yeah. <laughs> wearing really big black glasses. But you know, I like Dominic Cooper. Yeah, I, uh, I when I came out of uh, one of the screenings for the London Film Festival, which we'll talk about, mm. um, uh, it was a beautiful sunny day and I just left Le- Leicester Square and uh, Terry Gilliam walked right past oh, me, yeah. and he walked past me Sunday morning. He had nothing else with him. He just had his. Sh- he was just wearing clothes with no jacket, which I knew immediately meant that you clearly live about two minutes. Yes, from that's central, true. central, central, like Soho wasn't warm enough to be no, doing that. He no. was just. Uh, he was clearly going to get some milk or something. Yeah, and I was like, "That's Terry Gilliam. Um, we living in Central Soho. That, that's." An interesting one. Yeah, but he's probably, like, lived there for, you know, in those old townhouses for, for, for years. That's oh, true. He's yeah, just, I was just like, wow, this is just such a different era. He's yeah made his money in, in, in a different era, as part of a different era thing. But also, I was like, love London. You just, yeah. sometimes some that does, like, you just talk about Dominic Cooper. You just, oh, there you see go. See someone famous. I go to New York, I see Jesse Eisenberg, I go to London. I, I don't see know track, what LA's like. Well, I mean, yeah, there you go, getting a smoothie somewhere. Have you been? I mean, no, I haven't. No, no, no. I haven't. Um, we'll go see Trevor if, 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 we, <laughs> yes. if we ever go. A hundred percent. I also saw, sorry, when I came and out. I, then... I want to see your friend who's probably working their way through every film now. <laughs> please <laughs> yeah, please yeah, go yeah. back and listen if you yeah, haven't. We, you it. don't know this episode. It was uh, Trevor from LA met a person who had never seen any film due to certain circumstances of their upbringing. Yeah. And then he decided to do an auction on social media of what his first film should be. And mm-hmm. we unpacked it on the show. What episode was it? Uh, oh, goodness. Oh, I don't know. Like tw- it's like 23 or something. Something like, like that. that. It's fantastic. It's um, fantastic. Also, when I came out of another screening, uh, I went to work and on my way to work, I walked past, you won't know who this is, but I walked past Joseph Quinn, who was like the breakout star of the most recent series of Stranger Things. Okay. Like, like, uh, everyone loved him and like he was he was such a great presence in that whole show and i was oh, like cool and he had the english look guy of, yeah he's english yeah. and he had that look of someone who is newly famous because he was just like walking around like it was anything normal But <laughs> like, to terry, terry Killiam has been through it all <laughs> so much right that he can yeah, walk yeah, out yeah. normally and this guy has only been famous for about six months so like yeah until like six months ago he, he could just go and get a pint of milk. but i was looking at him like oh, but i know who you yeah. are now you won't be able to walk around for long i'll mm-hmm. suffocate you whoa <laughs> yeah. What? like suffocating Oh, I fame. see. I'm yeah. so sorry. Just, <laughs> yeah. You don't use that word so often. So you They're followed him really home. home, for yeah, yeah. A home. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I will find you. Yeah. Come on the show. I had Olivia Wilde walk outside my flat. You I remember I told you about yeah, that. Yeah. It was uh, like June. And then later that day, she was spotted in the same outfit that you saw at yes. Hampstead Heath with that was like It definitely was. It was literally outside my block of flats walked, past me is Olivia Wilde and I, I just had I was a very qu- immediately able to spot her because of just the news cycle at the time of mm. Don't Worry Darling and I was like that is definitely but Olivia Wilde what you understand is that Pop Kitchen is clearly sitting in the middle of some sort of interconnected movie universe yes. uh, it's destined to sit here and eventually you know they will find themselves gravitating towards us yeah. um, well in because my life is the Truman Show they don't have enough budget for actual real actors and the people <laughs> who are just pedestrians so they need to get Dominic Cooper right. and Olivia Wilde to do their time they don't have enough budget so yeah. they get the most famous if you both know. wear a mask and really big sunglasses, he won't notice, <laughs> he won't notice. I like Truman like watching the bike go by again. I'm like, oh, um, that's from the movie. Just one last thing before before we move on. I um, you, you've been away. Yes, right, yeah. And you told me you're going great, which is great. You went to Egypt. Egypt, right? yeah. Now, you know, you travel a lot for work. Yeah, it's, and, it's been crazy. It, it's yeah. been crazy. And you know, I'm always like, oh, you know, you're going you told me you're going to Egypt. And I was like, oh, here he goes again. a bit worried about you, you know, your routine's a <laughs> lot, you know, all over the place. You're feeling a bit under the weather. And then, I um, mean, I don't know whether I wasn't listening properly or I just think you didn't tell me, but lo and behold, I go on Instagram. There you are scuba diving with your family, having a ripe old time. <laughs> there I am worrying about you. Thinking, don't worry, James. I'll oh, sort like this yeah. week. And you were like, I, I was going to try not to text you too much because yeah. you were and busy you? working. I was like, you lucky bastard. I swear to God, I said, no, no, it's for a, it's for a holiday oh, going back." You come back with a tan in October. Oh, God, yeah. Do you know what? It turns out Egypt is really hot, <laughs> even <laughs> in October, like. It was one of those, like, you get out of pool or sea and the water just, yeah. you're immediately dry. Like a, like a music um, video. But yeah, I went scuba diving for the first time. Great. Which is very cool. You, can, my, do, you can do it again? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to do it again. It was like a tri-dive. Oh, like, you bad. go with an instructor yeah. who's very, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you go, like, to move, and he's, like, <laughs> and I kind of, he's very firm. Yeah. But I'm also quite happy that yes. he's firm. And he's checking on me, like, every five to ten seconds, which... I think I needed yes because it was like a real sort of five minutes is how to scuba dive and there's so much information that you're just there nodding yeah. and go right yes. so right. don't take my mask off okay. and the main thing is like whatever you do don't stop breathing when you come up because your lungs will collapse from the pressure <laughs> if you don't equalize it and you're just like I'm really untrained to be yeah. doing this, but okay. I think it's one of those things that it, it, you can overthink when you scuba dive. You almost yeah. need to like devolve into like a mechanical yes. uh, thing and just do what feels natural. And there's this moment where like you know you're going down, you're going down, you don't really realize it, but then you look up and you realize the surface of the water yes. is like 10 meters above you, and yes. I'm like, oh my god, am I drowning? No, I can breathe. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> don't <laughs> have very, a panic attack, of you. <laughs> Yo, what's going on? Can I breathe? Oh, oh my god, what? Well, yes, I can. I'm under a clownfish there. Uh, I, um, if I have pictures, I will put a picture of me holding a clownfish which I'm yet to receive but if uh, I have it I'll go in the edit I uh I went scuba diving once and like that I was descending but like I saw the extractor look over at me at one point he was like mm. and I looked up and the boat was above me but because of the, the chop there was quite a choppy water it was like rising so it would rise and be like you know 10 meters oh, above my head. but then it, when it would come down it would like be like three meters above my head yes. and I just I just it didn't happen but i felt the sensation of the boat just landing on my skull and killing me and i just but luckily i just so i just kept descending and descending but i thought oh it, it's a horrible have you ever like to see the underside of a boat yeah you're like, not meant to see it uh, uh, hanging over you you touch the butt anyway this is a film podcast yeah. <laughs> uh, Finding <Nemo>. yeah uh fighting <laughs> nemo yeah there we go. yeah yeah movies So guys, we have got a bit of a bumper show for you today. In fact, it's the first part of a two-part episode because it has been the London Film Festival, which is one of the biggest film festivals I'm realising in the world. You know, you've got your Cannes, you've got your Venice, but you've got your London and your Toronto. It's big. And it's the first year the London Film Festival has been on when we've been doing this podcast, right? And so James and I, a little last minute, but we managed to get ourselves press accreditation. We We realised we could see, like... Yeah, these yeah. films really early. So this is how it works. And so, so if you you know do like we do, and you have an outlet, and you have a certain number, you have to be have like a, I think you have to be above a certain number of followers. Or whatever, oh, really? Which we feels made it. Nice. We made it. Just made the cut. <laughs> like Indiana Jones under the door. We made the cut. Yeah. And you can get press accreditation, which means you have access to all of the press screenings that they lay on throughout the festival. That's not the same as the public screenings that they put on, which you buy tickets for as a punter, or the premieres that are happening. It's it's pr- um, press screenings that run throughout the day. And how it usually works is. Um, the first film of the day is at 8.30 and it's usually the the, the most Im- uh, talked m. about hype. Yeah, 8.30 a.m., that's right. Most hyped film. So for two weeks, if you looked at the first film of all the of all the days, it was always like the, the biggest film, yeah. which I think must be because the <laughs> scheduling is like, we want the film critics to go in with the... We want... The, the film critics to see the biggest films with the freshest minds. So they, yeah. they, it's like dog eat dog. They push their ways to, the, to the front of the queue. Yeah. Because if you're like the big, next big, okay, let's take Glass Onion, which closed the um, the, the whole London Film Festival... You imagine Netflix being like on the press screening. I want that to be the first film that critics see that day because I don't want them to go and see this film at two o'clock, having seen three films that morning, and they're clouded and they're they're thinking. Also, about availability wise, you're more likely to be able to make something first thing in the day than like a two right, o'clock, exactly. Right, right. Oh, And also the idea that you can then leave that screening, write your review, and have it up online. Yeah. Because this is actually, you know, the, it's part of the film industry, film festival circuit that they they want you to go and see these. They lay on these screens because they want press to go and review them because that yeah. like, can generate buzz and generate movement. And they want to get have, an indicator. Studios want to get a, an indication. Exactly. An so, yeah, and um, it was quite interesting for us to be part of this sort of circus for the for the first time. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, we had uh, our you know Lucy Heath, our friend, the, the, the filmmaker, on like many episodes ago talking about Tribeca Film Festival, and I did think about that when we were seeing films because i thought underneath all of this stuff you've got these screens for the press you've got the screens for the public but in hotel rooms and you know meeting spaces all around london right now there are film industry people putting together deals and putting together acquisitions and okay yeah. let's roll that out this seems good well the people oh you know timothy chalamet's in, in town because of the premiere you know for the london film festival let's have a meeting because of this so you're just aware of this buzz of film activity in london which is really really exciting. Mm. So how it work is this? Yeah, we we would go um, at eight thirty. You you have to actually get there earlier. Um, Get there, queue outside the Odeon Lux Leicester Square. Get in, take a seat, uh, which is actually Odeon Lux Leicester Square. Like shocker, great screen, yeah, great cinema. (laughs) Who knew that the (laughs) central the uh, biggest um, stars in the world to watch um, a film? Yeah. So James and I did. did Sorry, we're all yours in the upstairs bit as well. No, no, it was it was you could could go both. So James and I. divvied them up. Because of different work arrangements, James Sally could only see one I film. I just saw one, which, which contributed to today. Uh, I, v- very thankfully, was, have been able to see five films. Um, which, very impressive. W- which meant getting up at like 6, 6.30, going all the way to Leicester Square, getting there for like 7.45, queuing outside. I will tell you right now, the queue for the whale and the queue really? for Glass Onion went around Leicester Square. Interesting, because white noise was not, a pat. Yes. it's 50% yeah. full. Right. Oh, yeah. And the other ones I had were, yeah. were, less, were more timid. Queuing for a bit, letting you in. Obviously, there's loads of there's loads of seats. It was never gonna be a full house. Yeah. Um getting in, sitting there, watching a uh, two or even longer, two-hour film, finishing that, coming out, getting on a tube and going to work, and then working a full work day, having seen the film I've just done. And I must admit, by about like five PM yeah, every right. day, I was just like. Uh, and I I'd get flashbacks to the film and I was like was that today <laughs> do I like it that's the most number of films you've seen for any episode of this show I know right like yeah. 5 you've not done five no no so we're gonna we're gonna split it so James and I we've got three films to talk about in this part one and then next week you're gonna hear our reviews of the other three films yeah if we about. did it all in one episode it would be probably four hours long and it's just you would get yeah. lost in the shuffle so enjoy a part one and part two of this yes so yeah very exciting I mean like, I've been really jealous just like you going to all these films and like yeah. oh I really want to see James, it you've been messaging me being like oh can we do this and i'll be like sorry i'm literally on the way to see glass onion i know I'm on the way <laughs> the oh, how exciting but it's actually perfect because you will see all these films yeah. give me an amazing impression of how these are doing i can then as they sort of get released to the, yes. the peasants public i can then <laughs> see them and sort of bounce back off you well, at the same time that hopefully you guys will start to see yeah. them and we can start to have conversations and all of that so it should be really good i think if the important thing to point out unless uh, i, I, I would have thought this was kind of I thought this was well known, but in case you aren't aware, the exciting thing about when I say the biggest films are at the first point of the day is that a lot of these films haven't been released yet. Yeah. They're either imminently being released in a month's time or some of them like the whale for example hasn't even got a uk release date yet i think it's not till trailer no even trailer at at the time of recording no trailer not even a proper poster right so we're going to see all these films that have a lot of buzz about if you want to get an idea of what the coming few months are like going to be like with the film landscape go back and listen to our oscar contenders chat which covers a lot of the films we're going to talk about today Should we do it? Let's get into it. So welcome to the London Film Festival special. Yeah, welcome to part one of the London Film Festival roundup. Oh, and these will be spoiler free. Yes, entirely spoiler free. Don't worry. We got you. Guys, just uh, just as a reminder, subscribe to Pop Kitchen from all the fun that we've got coming up. All these reviews, all these things going to be coming out as clips. We've got all this stuff ahead of when they're coming out. If you've ever just been wondering, should I, shouldn't I... Go give us a like. Go subscribe. It's a fun yeah. time. We're moving on to the awards season. You'll feel great for it. You just you'll feel lighter. You will get this the, little get ding the in, the in notification pop bell. bell. And you'll be like, oh yeah, pop kitchen. If you're enjoying this, that. rate it. Hey, it's like you know that's why it's the pop kitchen. We're serving you up the goods. Exactly. We're cooking you something cinematic. So George, anyway. what is the first film that you would want to talk about today? So, so the first film I saw at the London Film Festival was this Bill Nye film called Living. A yes. little bit of context about this. So, uh, I saw a trailer for this. Couple of months ago, I sent you to have a little look at. It's based on an Akira Kurosawa film called uh, Ikaru. Yeah, so because Akira Kurosawa. Yes. Yeah, Ikaru from. 19- I, I had a verbal like brain <laughs> malfunction where we did like films are on our blind spots. <laughs> oh so yeah, I yeah. Mentioned it anyway. So Ikaru from 1952. This is uh, an English language adaptation which is set in the 1950s of London. It's uh, uh, adapted by a South African filmmaker who I. The name escapes me and I'm sat here. But the screenplay is written by Kazuo Ishiguru, sort of British Japanese novelist who wrote Never Let Me Go. Multi award yeah. yeah, very famous. Um, and the essential setup for living is this it's 1950s London and it's the era of all the men go to work in the morning in the pinstripe suits and mm-hmm. the bowler hats and are identical. And they get on the steam train and they go, yeah, good morning, yeah, good morning, yes. And they walk across the, you know, to, to work, they get off the train and they go into their office. And it's the era of tightly packed offices with bundles of papers and people smoking and wood panelled walls. And this film begins by following uh, a young office worker um, who is beginning his first day at County Hall in London, working for the London uh, City Corporation. In the in the I believe planning and works department so makes decisions you know about planning and building throughout the city he meets his fellow colleagues who are also very stern and very much part of the system and uh, they say oh Mr. Williams is coming you know you'd be, be aware of mr. Williams and mr. Williams is of course played by Bill Nye who is wearing the sternest and frostiest and you know most minimal of Bill Nighy expressions mm. And he's perfectly cordial, but he is a product of his time. He's 1950s and he sits at his desk and he sort of will half turn. If someone approaches him from his side, he will raise the tiniest of eyebrows to sort of go, can I help you at all? Anyway, what happens is um, Mr. Williams uh, go, says out, out of the blue, a very uncharacteristically says, I'm leaving early today. For an appointment at three o'clock, and I'll be back tomorrow. And everyone sort of goes, "Oh, okay." Could you please deputise in my absence? And it's, okay, of course, <laughs> of course, <laughs> he goes to the doctor's, uh, to doctor's appointment, and the doctor says, "Sadly, yeah, you've got you're, you're terminally ill." He's delivered this news, and so begins a sort of journey for Bill Nye's character and a re-evaluation you know, of life you can place, see yeah it. you can see where this is going re-evaluation of life a kind of questioning all that he's done in this incredibly stiff clipped british setting right um the way i describe living is it's a lovely warming film about death <laughs> um it's got uh, the first thing to say is that it's it's immaculately presented it, it looked in the trailer, yeah. it looked so it, clean and beautiful. Yes. Every it, single frame I, I was in love with. don't know if it is actually shot on film, but they have rendered it so much like the 1950s. It actually begins with stock Kodak footage of London from the 1950s. I'd right? say it would be then, wouldn't it? Yeah, and it's just oh, beautiful to look at. And then it sort of seamlessly blends with how it's shot um, for the film. Um, it's got a keen eye for um, not just like uh, period detail, but like um, visual language, when the men are all lined up on the the platform in their in their pinstripe suits it just looks incredibly clear mm. That when they get off the train you've got these ve- very stark shadows and strong light so um w- well, one thing which is great is when they when they go to london locations that we're very familiar with like the entrance to waterloo station yeah. but it's completely shot in period and it just looks wow. beautiful and you've got yes yeah, so these strong uh dark, cutting shadows uh, by County Hall, you know, bouncing off this architecture. It, it invokes that this world is incredibly rigid and incredibly strict. Um, and uh, Bill Nighy is wonderful. It's a Bill Nighy role, you know, it's a Bill Nighy performance, but he delivers it with such tenderness. You know, I think, I, I, I was watching it thinking, this could, this could you know, we like you said, oh, I know where this premise could take us. Yeah, sure, it yeah. could be twee, it could be saccharine, it could be overly sweet. But the thing is, it's not. I think it's done with a real tenderness and a real uh, balance. There are some heartbreaking moments in it and real real moments of tenderness and warmth, but also it's moving. Mm. There is, um, you know, very early on, he uh, there's a scene set where he, where he meets Tom Burke's character. Love Tom Burke, by the way, as an actor. Great. And... Um, you know, Spill He is sort of struggling and starts to, is is sort of telling him his situation, and, and he says, "You know, I've started to realize I should maybe living." You know, like the title suggests. And he says, "But I've realized I don't know how," and it's really mm. tender and 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 so really breaking down, down <laughs> that stiff upper lip, yeah, British um, front. And also the visual. When I say about the visually striking element, it moves from this like after he's had the news delivered. There's a scene, for example, um, set in Brighton where you go from these strict highly contrasted shadows of, of County Hall in London to this sort of warm, um, um, full of colour uh, glow of Brighton and the nightlife and, and, and the scenes around that. And just the contrast is great. There's some great moments of staging in it. He lives at home uh, in just the, you know, the most generic post-war um, suburbia, uh, probably someone like, no, he lives in Surrey, Isha in Surrey, right? And he lives there with his son and his son's uh, wife-to-be. And there's some staging that's done in the beginning of the film with the first scene between Bill Nighy and his son that's just heartbreaking. Just the way it's visually presented, mm. I thought, oh, um, there's some moments of recollection with Bill Nighy's character that for me, like reminded me of uh, Terence Davis' film, Distant Voices, Still Lives, which is about a post-war family in Liverpool, which is, that, that whole film is like an emotional memory. And there's bits of that that poke through in this. It, despite it's kind of like, for, it's pretty formally normal, but there's this moments of like, um, uh, really it dissolves into like emotional memory which I love uh there's more than a heavy dose of brief encounter in there which is absolutely no bad thing because brief encounter is a masterpiece and if you don't know what I'm talking about classic British film from the 1940s which has everything you know uh the life outside of London commuting in the isolation that brings with you and the sort of depersonalization of going into uh, work every day Amy Lou Wood is in this from Sex Education yes right She's wonderful. Absolutely, really? every scene she is in, she just brings such warmth. And that's even spoken about her character. I mean, that's literally what character meant to do. She brings this vitality in this sort of male-heavy uh, world in this office. She she is this. She manages to sort of break through to uh, you know uh, Mr. Williams's character, and she has these wondrous eyes that is such a great foil against. Bill Nye. So the, the expressions in this film that's what's really interesting as well. I said like it's got this very good visual eye. It has a way of capturing faces so well. So when it shoots Amy Lou, Amy Lou Ward, you just feel everything that uh, Mister Williams sees in, in her. And when you see Mister Williams, you see his. You really get a sense of his the cragginess and the frostiness of his, of his expression that is slowly starting to thaw throughout the film. And with the other men in the office, it really has an eye for like the physiognomy of their faces and how each one almost represents a different like masculine uh ideal from the 50s mm. um but this young whippersnapper who who joins the firm as well he brings sort of a lot of emotional heart and there's this there's this subplot with the film as well that there is if there is a piece of planning that hasn't been done that's being handed around the bureaucracy of county hall um and that kind of uh, is kind of the narrative undercurrent there's a cut uh for the third act that when it happened i thought oh what's happened here and then when it when the film resolves itself into its conclusion i was like oh that's really that's actually really smartly done so you know there's more than a touch of christmas carol in there a little bit of its wonderful life it won't be for everyone but i i was actually surprised at how how solid it is it's a really lovely charming uh heartwarming film you will you will finish the film and go oh oh that's oh that's that's really nice that's and sorry not nice i don't mean like nice like that's uh cute, nice sweet. Cute, nice, like we've talked about, like Operation Mince Me, you know, watch on Sunday. Yeah. After, there, there, you know, there is a little, there, there is real sadness in this film and real emotion. I am really looking forward to seeing Bill Nye in a lead role. Yes. Because he has been around for so long and has been so great in so many, like, mm. I'd say, too fair, uh, too fair to him, very mm. samey kind of roles. Yeah. But I'm really glad, like when I saw the trailer a couple of weeks, it was only about two weeks ago, and it was one of those trailers that sounds so, so cliche, but actually like got me on the verge of tears oh, because of yeah. how... A, like how beautifully yeah. it looked, but how I think, you know, well crafted, having not seen it, how well crafted it seemed yeah. to be, and how it just sort of seemed to peck at these really yeah. nice little notes. But i have just quite, I, I don't really remember a time I've seen Bill Nye really well, fronting yeah. a film like that for a really long time. And I'm like, yeah, like, of course, Bill Nighy, yeah. like national treasure, um, staple of, of British actors. I'm mm. so, I'm really looking forward now, off to your very promising review. Like, mm. I'm very much looking forward to seeing him do that. Yeah, I, I, he is. He is. It's. It's more than uh, he's getting his fair dues now to to in his performance. I sat next to a guy in the screen. That was one thing that was quite interesting about the press screenings as well. I'd always have like try and have a natter with the person who was next to me. Yeah. Sometimes if they're uh, press, sometimes they'd be industry. And this guy was a a producer, and he knew the uh, producers, directors of, of this film. And he said, you know, they, they nearly ran out of money. Really? And I said, you cannot tell. You absolutely cannot tell. Wow. I, th- I th- the film looks impeccable, really yeah. impeccable. Um, yeah, I left that film and it was glorious sunshine outside on a Sunday. And I, I, felt, I felt great. I thought that was really charming and, and, and wonderful. And I, I, it's out in cinemas November 4th, right? Okay. So that's coming out soon. Go and see it and let me know what you think. Please do. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. Do you have any questions about it? Does that sound... That sounds great. Like, I, I, my only thing I wanted to say was about Bill Nye, which I just don't think I don't remember a time when I've seen Bill Nighy, um front of a film like that. Did you say oh, it was? That, what wait, remind me again? Kazuo Shiguro is the writer on this. He's a screenwriter. Yeah, screenwriter. So so I, so it's I, not from a book. It's a Kazuo Shiguro no, screenwriter. No, it's a it's the oh, Akira. But this song. is what I find interesting. You've got an Akira Kurosawa based on Kira Kurosawa film so yeah. you've got a japanese idea adapted by a british japanese screenwriter directed by a south african uh director and i really sometimes at what i i mean it's an absolute compliment it's like sometimes you need an outsider's perspective yeah. to really cut to the heart of something you know like last year when we talked about spencer that's a chilean director with an american actress yeah and yeah. i'm like sometimes you just need a different position one thing i have forgotten to say is that the sound design of this film suppose, is really good really the, it captures the hard clip clop of men's shoes on the pavement across uh, Waterloo hard Bridge. There is a dinner scene um, at home that is incredibly tense, and they amplify the cold sound of cutlery on crockery as it like serves up shepherd's pie. That sort of. And it's, oh, oh, it, it, it just makes is. you feel uncomfortable. I think it's quite interesting to cross the idea or take uh, something that's a very Japanese cultural thing of being very sort of emotionally withdrawn and slightly stiff hmm. and mixing that with something that's also very British. Yes. Like traditional Japanese is yes. like, you don't really show emotion. You don't want to do anything to put shame. Mm-hmm. And I think to actually merge these ideas and see a very interesting overlap yeah. is quite an interesting idea. Well, exactly. or to just look at a script and go, actually, this applies to, to 50s British culture. Yeah, the parallels of two you Know conservative with a small c, yes. Uh, well, conservative with a you know big C societies, um, withdrawn, repressed. Anyway, that's living with Bill Nye. He's great, Amy Lou Wood. Oh, fantastic. Let me know what you think when you go see it, James. Let's do it. And if you have seen it or you're gonna see it, email us in and let us know. You're watching this think. in a few weeks' time in the future. Email <laughs> to hello at popcudrimpodcast.com and let us know what you thought. James, one of the films we mentioned very briefly, I think, in our Oscars roundup a few weeks ago was Noah Baumbach's new film, yes. White Noise, which I think is coming to Netflix soonish. You went to the press screening of that, the one you were able the to go I to. The one I was able to go to. Um, what's going on? Yeah, it's, uh, so Noah Baumbach is sort of in a, another Netflix style partnership. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting because he's coming off the huge success of, or, or critical success of Marriage Story, mm-hmm. and what I assume has been a you know, whatever Netflix values as a commercial success Mm -hmm. in terms of how many people watched it. You know, it got, uh, you know, lots of awards. And this is based on Don DeLillo's novel of the same name. And it is the first Noah Baumbach film to not be based on his own screenplay. It's based on the novel. So you've got this sort of slightly interesting new territory for Noah Baumbach. And it's his highest budget to date with $80 million. Okay. Which, again, like, coming off that success, I can sort of understand why. Um, And I think, like, when I saw the film, you can see this is an expensive movie. There's like a lot of places and crowds and people and different things going on. Mm. And it kind of looks like it costs a lot of money. Mm. Is that interesting? Just thought it was worth an observation Mm. compared to what he's doing before. And um, it stars Jack Gladney, who's played by Adam Driver. And I think what's interesting about this film, you've seen the trailer, haven't you? Uh, Yes, it seems kind of wacky. Yeah, because I think to look at the trailer and try and decide that this film is about one thing would be incredibly... would be a huge misrepresentation right. of what this film is doing. And I think the fact that it tries to make you think about it... The fact that it tries to do so many different yeah. things is part of its genius, and also, I feel, part of what slightly lets it down a okay. bit. I think there's no arguing that this film is ever so slightly distracted. Mm-hmm. But when you you know really finish this film and take it as a whole I realize is that kind of the point and what it's trying to do but whether or not it succeeds it succeeds at doing that I think will be between different people and how they interpret the film okay what you've kind of seen from the trailer is that Adam Driver lives with his wife, played by Greta Gerwig, and they have four children from three different managers. And it, you, it's very sort of typical Noah Baumbach-style Noah Baumbach dialogue where it's sort of very overlapping, mm-hmm. and these kids are all like wonderfully intelligent and precocious, and they're obsessed with digesting the news and mm-hmm. testing each other's information, and it's really sort of like familiar, cosy, family-style mm-hmm. dialogue. And what happens is there is a chemical explosion is one of the things that happened in the movie. Right. That happens outside their very small college town and it's set in the 1980s. Right. And it forces this whole series of events that means they have to sort of evacuate the town and go into this quarantine zone. Mm. And again, the plot will sort of, right. will sort of run through you. And look, you know, White Noise is filled with interesting observations about... Americans seeking solace from their impending death and their morality in <laughs> consumerism. Right, right. Okay. This is all, this is what I'm trying no, to no, say, no, let's like, talk about it. And it's all about everyone's impending death and the dumbing down of public information. Right. A lot of territory which we could say actually is quite relevant to our very modern concerns. And also concerns. territory covered in a completely different way in Don't Look Up, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, I guess you actually could make some some similarities about this. And there's there's this lot a lot of scenes where people are watching the news, and you know, th- oh, they're calling it this now. Oh, we have to start using this term. Well, if they use that term, that is politicized, mm. and you can tell there's like okay, this good, almost right, yeah. impossible to ignore like post-COVID yeah. rationalization of of the news, and um, it, it, it exists in a Noah Baumbach style of being ever so slightly strange and heightened. Mm dialogue style both in the tone of its of its story and in the delivery of its actors which I th- which I think works and I think it is intentionally over intellectual and Adam Driver plays a professor who specializes in Hitler studies <laughs> and he's friends with Don Cheadle who's a stu- he studies Elvis Presley right. and they give these like wonderfully overacted um, seminars about Hitler and, and Elvis and how they actually might have been linked. And it's almost holding up this really like satirical mirror to like the over education yeah. of our, of our, of our yeah. universities and how you can just be a specialist in anything. <laughs> but what's funny about him is that he doesn't speak any German and he's a professor of Hitler studies, but he doesn't want anyone to know. So he takes German lessons in private. Right. And like, that's kind of where like the first part of it's like mirror that it holds up to society. Then you get the whole sort of chemical reaction and um i I think i think what what makes it special is that The film is called White Noise and it throws a bunch of distractions at you to make you think about all of these different things that are going on when really at the core is a family and a relationship. Mm. And what happens is you become so distracted by what's happening in front of you that actually something that's really quite profound and quite heartbreaking is happening through the entire film. Mm. And what it does quite well is it allows that drama to almost sneak up on you and you realise towards the end what really is the core Mm. that keeps this film moving forward forward that being said it is what is a really uneven film okay it moves into a war of the world's-esque pastiche of spielberg's 1980s like adventure film wow with sequences where like the family are in the car driving away from the thing and you're like okay in, in the sort of almost the third act, it goes into a revenge style noir thriller with what? murder and Scott like, like, you kind of have to see it to believe it. And, and I think, I know this is intentional. So mm. for me to sit here and be like, this is an unbalanced movie, I think almost is a bit wrong. Because yeah. I think that's what it's meant to do. Whether or not that actually serves this film properly, yeah. I totally think is up for up for how, how, what you bring into it. I had such a great time with the film while I was in there, and Adam Driver is just continues course, to be one yeah. of the best acts around. And I think. Um, Greta Gerwig, uh, it just does such a brilliant performance, and yeah. their 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 style and their sort of almost on the verge of overacted uh, comedic tone that they they batter between it re- it really does work, mm. and I think with, with in in lesser hands it yeah. could have failed, um, and that's and I feel kind of middling about it. Okay. I'm like it it's, I, I had such a good time with it, but I also do feel like. The, the format which it used to sort of sneak mm. up in you, I feel like might be slightly flawed. Okay. How did everyone else in the screening react to, to, to it as well? Were they laughing? People they were laughing. It? It, it, it's a funny film. Everyone was laughing. Like there are a lot of times where I found it really funny and a mm. lot of these like sort of merry, very more modern contrasts to our own society, mm. I think work. And it never felt cheap to be taking those kind of points. Okay. So not to anticipate obviously, or overthink about how this is going to be consumed, but I mean, I think this doesn't come out till like December time. I think, whatever, yeah, right? I think it's close. I wouldn't be surprised if it, a load of people don't click with it. Totally. But it sounds like if you're willing, if you know, know about Mac well enough yeah. and are willing to stick with it enough, there's probably just about enough in there for you to enjoy yeah, I think I think you could enjoy the ride, and I think at the very end you might. I think I think I came out and I was like, huh, like "What is this trying to say? And right. What is it about?" Because you've you've changed genre on me so many times. Yes. I'm like, I, I almost I, like like the film was trying to do. It's literally trying to distract you yeah. by format, like white noise is yeah. the title of the film. So I was always like, "Hang on, like what is this trying to do?" And I think it was trying to like really bring you bring her over to mm. a sort of slightly sad central right. problem that it had. And yeah, it's it's enjoyable but slightly flawed. Okay. I am I'm, I'm, you know, I, I really like Noah Baumbach's stuff. Someone else could very much say, I think it's genius. I think what it does is really great. Yeah, it's subverting yeah. our expectations. And I'd be like, you know what, fair. But I'm a little bit off on it. Okay. But also if someone was incredibly harsh on it, you'd probably say, oh, you're probably missing a couple of good things in there, right? Uh, yeah, probably. I, yeah, I, I really like Noah Baumbach. I love Marriage Story. Uh, I like Kicking and Screaming. Uh, I like a lot of his stuff. And I, I you know, I, he's... I, someone I look to it now. was like, you're like a s- successful independent director you know yeah i mean it's working for netflix not independent but i meant that like you can make the film that you kind of want to make yeah i I look at you you know he's been around for 20 30 years someone like Wes Anderson as well like you can go and make your film uh, and i think that's whatever. what's happened by the way i think like with Netflix. From off, yeah off of narrative story it was like please feel free to go uh, and do what you like narrative stories actually it was his first oh sorry thing, which isn't is yes. a lesser bound back film i have to say but like but yeah but no but yeah, exactly he's he, this is his third film for netflix it's clearly a deal and it's like you go off and make no bound back pictures for middle class <laughs> americans yeah. to watch 100% um great i look forward to that if you guys have i'm actually, also I'm seen... actually really interested to hear what other people think about it Yeah, if just because li- i'd love to sound off other Opinions yeah. and f- f- I'd love someone to point out something I maybe didn't think about. So these so do. It might not be out for a couple of months, but if anyone has, per chance, also seen it, let us know your thoughts. Or if anyone's read the novel, maybe let us know. I know Don is famously cryptic to read. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's not it. read the book. You guys know the drill. Hello at PopKitchenPodcast.com. James. Another film I saw at the London Film Festival, which I was so excited to see, was The Whale. Darren Aronofsky's new film. Probably the film of this uh, season of films that is probably the most talked about. Currently hasn't got a poster, currently hasn't got a trailer. I keep seeing articles of Brendan Fraser in tears after 20 minutes standing ovation at insert prestigious film festival, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't even think it's getting released in the UK until January. I don't think it can be confirmed. It's not getting released going in the US. For Oscar season. They are it? going for and in a way, it's, so it's kind of built already. This kind of air of mystique and this air of buzz. And like I said earlier, when I turned up for the screening, there was a queue around the block. So and when we did our you know look ahead to the films that are coming yeah. up, I think we both said the whale was the one we were most intrigued by. Yeah, because it is a very uh, unique to use that word film a very distinctive film a so, rebirth of a new act of an old actor rebirth of a new actor a slightly t- divisive director at the yes. house so let's just contextualize it so the whale is um based off of a play by uh i think his name is samuel d hunter it stars brendan fraser who of course will be familiar to many audiences members but also not familiar to a lot of audience members i asked my flatmate i asked my girlfriend i said do you know who brendan fraser is and they said no and I said the guy I from hope the you mummy. Yeah. From them. Yeah. <laughs> I said the guy from the mummy and they went, Oh yeah. But it's true. I, I honestly think if you said to someone, When was the last time you saw a Brendan Fraser film? Or when was the last time you know, Brendan Fraser was in your consciousness? I know he's been he's still been getting work, you know, the past yeah. few years, but it's been a while. Darren Aronofsky has directed this. Darren Aronofsky directed Requiem for a Dream. Uh, Pie, Black Swan, The Wrestler, The Fountain. Mother. Mother. Noah as well, actually, <laughs> that everyone forgets. Uh, forget that and now he's back with The Whale. The story of The Whale is this. Brendan Fraser plays Charlie, who I think is about 600 pounds, although that confuses me with the conversion. He is chronically morbidly obese. He is, you know, uh, the kind of thing that is... the subject of a Channel 5 documentary at 11 o'clock at night, right? He, you know, he is housebound, almost like sofa-bound character, but he's an English teacher as well. He's incredibly smart, and he teaches online courses, and in fact, one of the very early shots of the film that we see, and just a reminder, this is spoiler-free, I'm not going to give anything away that you don't want to know, is uh, like a Zoom screen. Uh, I mean, like Zoom meetings, right? Sorry, um those motorbikes are on my end, yes, sorry more more wild trucks back in town um so the film begins, and uh the first i must say the first time we 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 see Charlie as a character, it begins at a point of like uh it begins at quite an ugly point, it's quite a good gr- almost grotesque i don't think the film is um leeringly grotesque, i think but there are moments of gr- just un by the state of his of his life that's sadly uh, grotesque because so it begins at this kind of low point for him and uh very early, I'm trying to be as broad as I can. I don't want to give away too much. He's, you know, someone looks at him and says like, you are in like a critical stage of your health. You are, you know, you are not well, which is obvious to anyone who's watching this. He knows it. The person telling him knows it. The audience knows it. This person is not, is not doing good. Lots of things happen in in, in the course of the story, but essentially I would describe it the way I described it before I had even seen it, which is that you could, the broad narrative is that he is spends... The, the duration of the film, trying to reconnect with his daughter, who's played in this by Sadie Sink, who most people will know from Stranger Things, who's great in Stranger Things. And I have to say, plays a character in this not too really dissimilar from her character in that, but you know what? She's still, she's still good in it. The whale. <laughs> How to describe the whale? I think the whale is a really, really solid, uh, often powerful difficult, but difficult in the right places film that uh, I found incredibly moving. Uh, I mean, where to begin? First of all, with Darren Aronofsky. Darren Aronofsky has always made films about waking nightmares, right? Whether it's the existence of drug users in Wrecking for a Dream and, you know, how haunted that whole experience is and the, the way that film just sort of descends into hell... It's Black Swan with Natalie Portman's character losing her mind. Mm -hmm. It's Mother, the sort of all the way through through, this kind of waking nightmare of of life. And what I found really interesting is that Darren Aronofsky is incredibly restrained in this film. This is the most restrained Darren Aronofsky film, especially off the back of Mother, which was like him giving everything. This is him dying way down. Yet he still infuses it with so many of his hallmark. traits and the waking nightmare of charlie's life is kind of writ large and like i said it's not in a exploitative way or or it's just a way that renders him as a, as a fully complete character so if when you look at him um in his life the camera isn't sort of going oh like how fucking disgusting this is or overly being like you know uh, it's not trying to really point you in a, t- into a certain direction i found i found it was just sort of presenting you with with this character um, but it's creating this waking nightmare from an incredibly domestic setting you know um it, it's it's all basically in his living room and it's the detritus of his life it, it it's empty four liter bottles of pepsi it is discarded pizza boxes it is greasy t-shirts <clears throat> i think that that's incredibly good i think also darren aronofsky always makes films that are really interested in the body requiem for a dream is like the sort of Deterioration of mm. the body by drugs, whether it's the, the arm of Jared Leto or what happens to Jennifer Connolly's Connelly, car- character, or even with Ellen Burstyn's character, it's Natalie Portman's physique in black feathers, exactly, and the nails. It's Mickey Rourke's uh, physique in the wrestler, and you get that with Brendan Fraser in this. Brendan Fraser had put on weight for this role, but obviously a large amount of it is to do with prosthetics, and uh, I think maybe a touch of CGI, and also hidden between massive, massive clothes, right? Um, I think talking about... I, th- I think the first thing to, to actually just flag up when going into the the, the 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 whale is that it is a play. And I think for some people, that okay. if, 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 if you were to draw anything, that is probably the biggest obstacle to this film. Right. It will be a minor obstacle for some. It will be a bigger obstacle for others. I don't think it's a problem because the film it's not... It is, the, it is in the film's DNA. It is not lying. It's not trying to hide it. This film is a play. It is predominantly set in his house, his flat. He is housebound, bound, it makes sense. It is his living room, it is his bedroom, it is his bathroom, it is his balcony. But do not expect this film to break away and go to different places. You are, strap in, you're watching a play, okay? However, I don't think it suffered the stagey woodenness of a play. I didn't, I didn't think, oh God, this is just wooden. Don't get me wrong, it's full of emotion, full of life, very well directed. But you are watching a play. And how you feel about that, it depends on how you feel about watching a play, really. There are moments of dramatic entrances and exits that feel a little stagey. There are dialogue, that dialogue that is almost too clean, too play-like, a little too mannered. But it's fine if you like watching plays and if you like that kind of drama, right? Mm -hmm. So do you think this is enjoyed by a certain type of critic (sighs) slash viewer? No, I just... Uh, I think it will land more strongly with certain people than others, but I think also just flagging that in advance will help a lot of people. I think you just need to know that you're going to be sat basically in some guy's room for two hours. Um, That said, you know, it's a a really, really interesting film because I, I kept thinking, I've not seen anything like this before. I've not seen a character, a film study someone like this in this way for such a long time. The last time I'm trying to think of someone who was like housebound and morbidly obese is like what's eating Gilbert Grape, which is Johnny Depp's mother. And she's like a supporting character. But this is very much contextualized within real life. You know, there are themes in this beyond the state of Charlie's health. It's obviously his relationship with his daughter. There's themes of religion is a big thing. Healthcare, sort of wider socio-economic political landscape of America. There are other characters as well. Um... uh, there's a character, uh, again, I can't remember the actress's name off the top of my head, who plays uh, Liz, who's his friend, who sort of checks up on him. Wonderfully played. She's fantastic. She was in uh, the Watchmen series. Um, uh, there's this other guy who knocks on his door, who is uh, um, Ty Simpkins. He brings a lot as well. Anyway, I, uh, if you if you can sense to me, sort of like sl- slowly trying to present it to you, it's because um, uh, there is many great things in The Whale, but I think I also should also say up front, is that, you know, it's... It's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a lot of fun. You know, I'm not saying it's overly heavy. There are moments of great humour in it and, and, and witty play humour, but it is sad. You are watching a sad story. Um, but onto the, onto the stronger points now. What, what I found, found really interesting is that um, how uh, Darren Aronofsky has sort of quickly emotionally invests you into the story, into this world. There is a point about, only about 10 minutes in, of brendan fraser eating a chocolate bar and it is really quite emotional and i remember thinking that is really cl- you've got me already there mm-hmm. and you've, you've got my attention um i think that the, 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 the reason it's called the whale is that he loves moby dick the, the story it's both you yeah. know yeah good book so like obviously whale well and that but then there's also the, the pejorative insult of the fact that he is you know so large and like and the, the sound of waves kind of it's like a recurrent like leitmotif that kind of runs through the film and there is a uh i noticed watching it that like the waves that they were playing these sort of waves of emotion would kind of come through and really catch you off guard in a way that a brilliantly written play would do in that there is you know it doesn't have to have a moment of action or a moment of this it's just in the sudden delivery of a line that suddenly gets you in a certain place um brendan fraser is wonderful i mean just just fantastic i don't best actor not that you've seen i think him being best actor for oscars next year is such a moot point by by this that it's almost even not worth discussing i don't want to overhype it because like but like an add-on but like he is so wonderful when i talked in my review of living i mentioned amy lou wood and her eyes and how like open and wide these sort of doe eyes that she had and brendan fraser has the same thing he's got these really expressive wide eyes and and charlie is a is a is is you know, full character that's kind and 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 warm but conflicted and has a thing in his past. And to spend time with him is really interesting. He what I love as well is when you get to award season like this, you are always in the territory of being told this person is up it could win the Oscar next year and go and watch this performance and you go and watch it and the actors going I'm gonna give you a performance I'm gonna go for the grand performance and I'm gonna get that Oscar and you go wow look how big that performance was and I mean he literally is doing a big performance because he's so big but I actually never felt like here goes Brendan Fraser going for that Oscar I it's really like he's really trying I really yeah. felt that he he got given a dream role and he, really he's really committed it. to it and he and he did and he physically and visually, he does disappear into the role, but he also does that, you know, in, in his own acting. It's, it's so hard to recognize him and think, you know, is that Brendan Fraser, which is great. It's a completely self-effacing role. Um, like I said, there are, there are moments of it that, that, are, that are ugly and uncomfortable and difficult, but what, what the, the strength of the whale is is that it takes a very ugly, difficult subject matter, many subject matters, and it is always trying to move from a point of ugliness to a point of beauty right? And it's always trying to get to that human point. And, you know, I I can't say why, but if you look at the way the film opens with Brendan Fraser's character, I mean, like the shot, and the way the film closes, if you were to hold those two shots together, I think you get a perfect articulation of that kind of central theme. I talked about this kind of waves of emotion that kind of building up, and like all good, well-written plays, it, you know, they have an emotional climax and it builds. And James, I was watching it and I realized in the last 10 minutes that I was crying and I could hear people around me sniffling and wiping their eyes. And I, wow. like, and I thought, you know, and, what, and what's great about these press screens is that everyone there loves films as much as you do, right? Yeah. And I mean, like, it wasn't just like a couple of tears. I had to get a tissue. I had to dab my wow. eye and I had to sort of go, oh, stay with it. And it, it, I, I was completely like knocked out by the end. So when the credits rolled, I had to sit there. I had to wipe my eyes again. I had to let the, the the lights go out. And I then had to stagger outside and go and do a full work day. And I was on the tube <laughs> like, I, I've just seen this like in, um, incredibly intense. Someone offers you a chocolate bar. A Dramatic scenario. And I don't think I, I can carry this. I mean, I'm trying to talk around it as, as best I can. Um is there anything you want to ask me? So here's the thing. So hearing you compliment it is great. And I think uh, I'm I'm still very interested to see it. And it's nice to see that the queues around the block and the bars and the 20 minute standing ovations are sort of, you know, Mm. justified. Do you think this film has mass appeal? And do you think that, because I think what a lot of people have said about if this film is going to be up for you know either best actor or best best film, is it mm. best like, film I could say. P- people often say that in the recent years with the Oscars, the best the best film have been films that not a lot of people have seen. Not a lot of people have had mass appeal for. Versus mm. back in the day, they were usually yes. like if you go back, you were like oh those were really yeah. big films like that Lord, Lord, of the the saw. Mm. Lord of the Rings, Lord gl- of the Rings, like Gladiator, oh, that film. Like yeah. you think yeah. to films like that, and yeah, I'm just getcha. wondering, will people who aren't necessarily the London Film Festival audience or the critics mm. resonate with it as much as they do? Probably not. I, I don't think it's... And I don't think that's a criticism. I'm just curious to hear about that. I don't think it's obscure or like overly esoteric. Like when you talked about white noise, like that's clearly playing to, you know, there's gonna be certain crowd sure. that get that and some certain kind of crowd that doesn't. I, I, I do think there is a lot of people that go, what is that? What is that? And then they go to see it. They might think, oh, a pl- this is a play basically. Oh, I'm, I'm not sure I like, I. so it, it's probably speaking to a slightly narrower field. With, with Darren Aronofsky films, I felt like Black Swan cut a, quite a nice balance between be, having mass appeal, appeal yes. and also being, and filmed Darren Aronofsky. And that, there is this sort of tension in it as well when I was watching, I was like, I've come to see Darren Aronofsky film and yet yeah. I'm basically watching him do a play, which is weird. But he, like I said, he really does um, deliver it well. I think um, another film recently that was really felt like a play, but wasn't a play, is The Hateful Eight. Right, which yes. was purposefully shot in ultra wide yeah. paned, but that, but that, that again has, has much more visually th- things happen, <laughs> and also that just did go outside and had, had and, yeah. and it had action in it as well. This is—I I don't want to say that the play is, is a wrong thing at all. Like, no. it, it, it's a very good play and it's very well written, and like I said, it delivers the emotional beats and it gets you thinking and it gets you invested in this character. And I think Darren Aronofsky does a very good job of rendering that cinematically. It's just that I'm just—I'm just letting you know right now. If you don't like stagey, slightly played films you're gonna you you might chafe slightly at this obstacle other than that go and see it other than that i think i think it's really powerful at times um i i I think it's like solid throughout but it builds to i i I, like i said i was really knocked out by the end um watch it for his performance watch it for the whole cast performance i mean there's there's even a performance by a character that i don't even want to mention because i don't want to reveal too much um it is like i said uncomfortable it's slightly grotesque at times it is touching it is very moving and it is powerful and um it is very distinctive and unique i really think you're not going to see another film like that um so very excited you know welcome back brendan fraser um they might as well start warming up start putting in the name right now i honestly wouldn't be surprised if some film studios are like we're going to hold our film back for a year because we no, because really? they've done that in the past they've gone it's such a clear indication that this person's going to win wow. why risk it i mean it has not to be cynical but it has all the things written over it. it's it got a physical transformation yeah, which by an love. actor who's doing a comeback yeah like you know or, and yeah it's got it's got great theatrical credentials as well On so the- yeah if, you, if it sounds like i'm sort of tiptoeing around it, it's like it's not it's like it's based on a play and you know it's it's not a laugh riot but if you like good drama and you like good acting and you like good directing and you just want to sit and just get your teeth into some drama that makes you feel something makes you think about something go and see the whale if you've seen the whale, please let us know what you think and write in your impressions to hello at Popkitchenpodcast.com. we will do a spoiler discussion when it comes out yes when i've seen it let's do it so there you go guys that yeah. was half of the films that we've seen for the london film festival That's please it. do wait for our part two we will do more yes. i hope you enjoyed reviews it. coming next week just to tease you include sam mendes's new film empire I'm of light looking forward to martin mcdonough's new film the banshees of inner sharon had great and things about that glass onion knives out too guys subscribe anyway be here for it But in the meantime, separately, as always, we get wonderful (laughs) emails. Yeah, (laughs) That's all right. We'll keep it there. Um, As always, we get great emails from our audience all over the world. And they send in their thoughts, their questions, their concerns to hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com. Just like Cora did. Cora says, hi, love the podcast. Listen to it every week. A few months ago, I watched Columbus by Caganada. Coganada. Coganada. Yeah. I was wondering if you've watched it. It's ma- you can tell I haven't. It's made is architecture, which is not an interest of mine at all. But after watching, I felt really invested. Amazing performances from the small cast as well. Highly recommended. P.S. I'm doing my A levels at the moment, and this podcast is getting ah. me through. Thanks, well, Cora. Hey, Cora. First of all, good luck in your A levels. Best of luck. Hey, it's what month you, is you, it? you're going to do fine. Okay. Okay. Uh, you, yeah, you're you're going to do time. fine. Don't worry. Um, we we have spoken about C- uh, Columbus, but. I don't know if we kept it in. Did it so get cut in episode 30? We had that, that you a, know the name um, of the movie moments of the month, or it was like magical moments in the movies, right? We I spoke about it with you, right? Because I have mm-hmm. seen Columbus and I will tell you about it in a second. But we I think we might have cut it. And maybe we have if course, hasn't heard about it. But to recap, yes, I have seen Columbus. It's you're a an architecture lovely, fan. Lovely. Well, I work in architecture, my day job. I I I have an appreciation for it. I don't say I'm not a real architectural nerd, You're a bricklayer. But I know my <laughs> no, I know my Le Corbusier from my Mies van der Rohe and yeah. my you know Neymar and my Geary. Um, George's Instagram is linked below. <laughs> <laughs> yes, why not? Actually, coming <laughs> Um Columbus is art ah, is a lovely, a lovely film that, that it is to use that modern phrase. It is such a vibe. If you watch it, it is such a mood piece about. It's so reflective and meditative and contemplative, but basically also like under 90 minutes, absolute joy. It's got John Cho in it from Harold and Kumar. Yeah, Um, Just to give you the basic premise, it's him and Haley Lou Richardson. It's set in uh, Columbus, Ohio, which so happens to have lots of modernist masterpieces of architecture, right? She works the library there. She clearly should have gone to college and she should have gone and done her own thing, but she stayed behind because her mother wasn't very well and she's sort of hanging around in this town but she doesn't mind it she likes architecture she does tours she really enjoys yeah. it John Cho uh, his, he returns to he flies out to uh, Columbus, Ohio because his father is a respected architectural um, like lecturer professor his father has a heart attack he's in the hospital so John Cho flies out there and he's sort of stuck there for like a week waiting on his father's Health condition. He meets Haley Richardson. They sort of had this meet cute, but it's important to say it's not a romantic film as well, which I really love. They have a very platonic relationship in it, and anyway, it's like they platonically fall for each other. It's it's, it's wonderful. Uh, but They I have was. you know they've came. What they, they, years did come out? Twenty uh, seventeen in the states. Twenty eighteen took eighteen months for it to come out over here. Oh, it's really um, but it is filmed so beautifully and it's so calm. I I really really love it, and more people need to see that film. Koganada just had a new film out called uh, After Yang, Colin Farrell, which I need to see. Oh, yeah. But he Koganada, that was his first film, and he basically made, before that made video essays for the BFI and the Criterion Collection. Oh, he, cool. Lovely film. Just I'm sold. Go check it out. This next one is from... Oh. This next one is from Alva, who says, Hello, James and George. Hey, Alva. hope you are well. You well? I'm okay, yeah. My name is Alva. I'm from Uppsala in Sweden. Yep, Uppsala, I hope I've yeah. said that right. And I discovered your podcast earlier this year. Where, you may ask? Well, a little birdie told me about it, of course. (laughs) This podcast quickly became a favorite and something I look forward to every week. I've listened through all the episodes and I've been recommending it to anyone who will listen. Start to you, Alva. welcome. You You can rise through the Scientology (laughs) pyramid and and you can glow with us at the top. (laughs) Uh, I have a great love for film, but I was reminded while listening to your podcast today that I do have quite a large gap in my film knowledge due to never having seen any of the Bond films, to the great disappointment of my father. (laughs) Just feel... <laughs> that sounded very dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Son, the, don't even speak to me. It's brackets to the great disappointment <laughs> of my father. I can, like he's at the top of the stairs. Like he's like, you have shamed me, yeah. I like to think you come home with like your chess first place thing. He's like smacks it out of your hand. Meaningless, hands. cause <laughs> you haven't seen the world is not enough. You seen Never Say Never Again. <laughs> Well, is that a Bond film, technically? Because that's the one made outside of, you know, uh, you, you know. Yeah, the you can, you can, uh, technically, sure. Yep. It anyway. just feels like such a great endeavour to watch them all that I feel quite overwhelmed whenever I try to approach them. Some people have told me that I shouldn't watch some of them while others say it is necessary to see every single one to get the full picture and experience. I just don't know where to start and I'm looking to you to help me out. All the love. Alva. Alva, look, don't worry, buddy. You don't need to watch them all. I've you never seen Definitely it. don't. You definitely, need to watch definitely them all. do not need to go watch them all. There are far more important, more worthwhile films in the canon of film history that you can delve into. I've not seen all the Bond films. I don't think I've even seen any of the old ones. I really. love James Bond. Some of them are really slow. Yeah. And some of them are not that good. I think if I was to talk about, I'm going to say outside of Daniel Craig's, just because I feel like yeah. everyone knows about Daniel yeah. Craig's ones. Just like a hot five off the top of my head Goldfinger. Yeah. Right. I'm going to say. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. The one I haven't seen, but that's the one that everyone says is it's really good. good. It's yeah. different. And then I will say, I want to say Dr. No, even though it's really old. Really, the first one, okay. And then what? Living and Let Down. of the What's um, the Face ones. Uh, definitely Goldeneye. That's my favorite. Oh yeah, Goldeneye. GoldenEye. Go Goldeneye. Goldeneye is so early noughties. Yeah, like the fake hacking yeah, and the yeah, digital yeah. beep boop beep. And also the but the that great sequence at the beginning with the dam where he does the of yeah. jump. That guy went to school with my dad. Oh, yes, I met him. I think we talked about it last yeah. year. No time he used to. to be, he's a stunt guy. and Apparently, he oh, yeah. used to always like jump off stuff. Yeah. So I, I think <laughs> well, all, with the, all with the exception of. Die Another Day, I think the three yeah. first Brosnan films are pretty solid. You know what? I remember The World Is Not Enough. What's his other one, which is um, Tomorrow, Tomorrow Never, never, never dies. dies. I don't yeah. think, I've definitely seen it, but With I don't the, remember it at it's all. It's got um, your guy. It's got your, um, oh, God. great. Yeah, come on. Oh, God. I'm having a mind like, I never have a My much- Jonathan Price is uh, basically Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. No, I got it. I'm Michelle just thinking yeah. of like what Roger Moore was because there are some good Roger Moore ones, but uh-huh. he's also got some really silly ones. Living That Die is good fun. Oh, yeah, I remember good. enjoying The Spy Who Loved Me. There you go. I guess I don't really have an answer. I would say I would say you know why don't you split the difference and just watch the Brosnan ones because that's kind of like old enough to be you've seen some of them and that are older, but you don't have to. You get you watch Goldfinger because it's famous. You watch yeah. On a Magic Secret Service because it's pr- uh, prestigious and regarded well. and yeah. you watch Goldeneye and then Casino Royale because it's great. There you go. That's guy for Alva. Sorted. You can reconcile with. Your Hopefully that now. helps. <laughs> yeah. This next one is from John. Hey lads, hope you're well. you are well. I have never been the biggest movie guy, but listening to the pod on the drive to work most days gets me more keen to watch a film that night. Nice. Keep it up. That is what nice. you want to hear. Also, I really find it interesting that you're not that much of a movie guy, but you decided to listen to us. Like I love I that. Love that. You're, it's a broad church. Everyone's welcome. Let but... us induct you and just yeah, rope you into in the movies. Oh, yeah. I love that. Uh, being from Oz, my question for you is: right. Who is your favourite? Aussie actor actress in their best role, like the way you went full speed and went straight over the sea to New Zealand. Yeah, never really know. Uh, favorite Aussie actor, George, great, great question because there are so many. Mm. Uh, Joel Edgerton, Marco Robbie, Hugo Weaving, Kate Blanchard. I mean, I know I'm just naming a few, I'm just trying to reel them all. (laughs) Hugh Jackman, um, I would say. Or Ben Mendelssohn. Oh Ben Mendelssohn. <laughs> I think yeah. Joel, Joel Edgerton, I said before I think is yeah. uh I think is a little bit underrated. He's he's the most solid like supporting actor you could bring onto your film. Oh, yeah. Most adds- reliable, always gonna deliver. You can put him in something really grounded, like thirteen lives and he's great, or you can turn mm. him all the way up in Great Gatsby and he's also really good. Mm. I, he's so good in that. I'm just I think I had an answer for this one. Um Margot Robbie right now is probably sitting very close to the top of like the highest caliber A-list female actress right now. I think you know what I got one. You you said Joel Edgerton, yeah. which is great. A male actor, female actor, Tony Collette. Ah, uh, yeah, great fabulous yeah this next one but, but also whatever you're doing there guys, you're clearly doing something very good well with your, your something talent in the water yeah. <laughs> something in the water well, thank you very much and uh, please uh, apologize to the sirens that are always flashing. I hope you haven't yes. like pulled over rapidly because yes. I do try to sort of warn people because I'm conscious that yes. people are driving like sirens James lives in the, the, <laughs> the vice capital of London <laughs> yeah um, this next one is from Daniel who he says, "Hey Polky oh, P-U-L-K-I. oh like P-U-L-K-I. I get it. Kids, got it. Well, I feel like when we get really big and kids like have a graffiti tag to show us poor, it'll be pulky. Yeah, because that's how big we're gonna get. And you won't be able to do pop kitchen because the cops will arrive. So you gotta, yeah. you gotta be quick. <laughs> <laughs> pulky, uh, yeah. 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 Uh, Long time listener and multiple time caller. <laughs> With the Oscar buzz around Brendan Fraser, please see below review review for details. Uh, Just wondering which some of your favourite comebacks slash career resurgence in the past, and who would you like to see have a career resurgence in the future? Great question. I know my choice may not be popular, but I would love to see Shia LaBeouf have a career resurgence, especially with the general moviegoer. Watched his podcast with John Burnthol, and he really seems in a better place in his life. Keep up the great content. No pressure. I've also seen this podcast. Yeah, I did. John Burnthol's doing a podcast. Everyone's doing it, James. James, we've got competition. John Burnsall is a real like. Because he, he has such a like masculine uh typecast style where he's like, really yep. butch and really gruff, but he's a real like emotionally yeah. uh empathetic softy in real life. Yeah, good actor. And he, he's, he's very softly, oh, incredible actor, but he's like really softly mm-hmm. spoken and he he's a, he seems like he's a great listener mm-hmm. and he's got his dogs w- and his farm. What I would say about Charlotte uh I feel like Charlotte had his kind of like comeback, although I don't think he ever really went away. He had Honey Boy came out, which is a really have you seen Honey Boy? No, it's been omnipotent. Really, list really so long. Good, I it saved on interesting my iPad film for That he wrote basically about his experiences with his father, who was abusive and overbearing, but not you know, abusive in a very it's a very specific tale about Hollywood and, and, and his father was like his chaperone in the way he looked after him. And he plays his father uh, in it. Um really, really good film. Charlie Buff is really good. But the, so he had that, but after that, there have been, you know, there are things about Charlotte that have come to light, which are... because You can tell he comes yeah. from a sort of troubled upbringing. Yeah, and uh, you know uh, where he's really great in, on a completely more positive note? A film called Holes. Yes, yeah, so I was remember. Like, I used to read the book. Like, in, yeah, uh, I read in the book. year eight. Yes, yeah, yeah. it's like a child's book. Uh, it's the Disney film, like when he was doing the yeah. Even Steven stuff. And he's just great in that. Yeah, yeah. You can tell that's a star. Oh, he brings that's it when he, when he wants it. Um, well, just to move on to comics I'd like to see. Okay, I thought about mm, this, right? Yeah. I would like to have Matthew Broderick have yeah, a yeah, big yeah. comeback. Right? So I think we could of mentioned this before. Like Matthew Broderick, obviously. Yeah, Ferris Bueller, charming, great, had his had his moment. Then he had his years of being a leading guy. And and in recent years he's become this very quiet, mild uh character who's just almost not even on screen anymore he's just living in new york he's been in a couple of theater things and every so often he'll be like have a five minute part in a, in a kenneth lonergan film so do you remember in like manchester by the sea where he turns up for that one yeah, scene yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Matthew Broderick. That's matthew broderick yeah <laughs> i would love to see uh, matthew broderick really have a comeback and be put into a different kind of role i, I really think he, he could do it um and it, but i love it also when you've kind of transcended genre so when we're talking about brendan fraser yeah because he comes from a genre of the Mummy and George in the Jungle, which yeah. is camp and big and s- swing, and you have going to do heavy drama. And Matthew Broderick comes from associating people's heads of being sort of like relief, kind of fun. He can still lead, a, lead a, uh, a film, but he's kind of, hey, what's going on <laughs> hey, here? It's Matthew Broderick yeah. here. I just remember coming out of uh, Ticket to Paradise and being like, I wish George Clooney would do more, and I wish yeah. Julia Roberts would do more. Mm. And they asked, uh, Julia Roberts once got asked, why is it you don't do any films anymore and she was like i get all these scripts and i never am interested in any of them which yeah. is such a sad thing to hear but she's so great and i feel like she's just slightly really no hey, but vacation, i want to go yeah. see it Would uh, you say oh it's a shame that like the scripts aren't really there and i saw this interesting video with um speaking of like films not being what they used to right? Yeah. which is like something you could say about anything but Matt Damon on his Hot Ones interview I don't know if you saw yes. it was asked about oh you know why is it films aren't made yes. like they used to and he made this very wrong statement is that back in the day he used to make a film and it had its window to come out in box office and then you got this entire second win in a second market which was the DVD yes. market yeah, and that's where you get good films point, like yeah. Goodwill Will Hunting which he probably knows because he like literally yeah. tries to get films produced and he was like that market has completely disappeared so you just have this one big impact yeah. in the cinema to make your films and that is why the films that we get now are so different yeah. and why like the rom-com is dying and why certain things yeah. like that are just sort of not happening. Um, so that, such a good point. It's also, uh, when he made that point, I, I've seen that and I was like, oh my God, that's so obvious. So obvious. There's, there's no money anymore there. like yeah. in getting a DVD. Like I used to, we used to buy DVDs all the time as a family like before going on holiday, we'd yeah. get DVDs. Like just like for Christmas, you get a DVD. I don't, don't, I don't miss DVDs because CDs clutter. are a terrible format, storage format. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really boring <laughs> thing to yeah, say. But is. like of all like, like from cassettes, tapes, VHS, drives like cds are really and like very they, bad for the environment. they age badly they scratch yeah. anyway oh <laughs> you remember getting like a, a dvd from like blockbuster you put it on and it would be like the opening scene would be like uh. hi I <laughs> and then it would skip to like the final scene in the movie and then it would just cut out and you just think "What is that dvd scene? yeah where where does that be left like yeah. what dog had its way with that dvd uh. um but yeah i guess it's not necessarily which actor wants to have a comeback sometimes but whether or not they want to come back oh very good very good james and on that note Thank you very much for writing in. We this will week. come back. We will, we will come back. Um, as always, please send in your questions, your thoughts, and concerns. We love to hear them to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. And we will do our best to read them out on the show. Yeah. Okay, George, as always, we come to the end of part one of our. London Film Festival review-a-thon. Well done for nearly forgetting (laughs) (laughs) what we've just done. As always, we end Pulp Kitchen with a game. Today's game is guess the film based on the character. I'm going to read you a list of film characters and you have to quick fire tell me what film they belong to. George, are you ready? I'm ready. You have to guess the film based on its character. Ready? Three, two, one. Bill the Butcher. Uh, 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 Gangster New York. Hal 9000. 2001. Syndrome, that is The Incredibles. Hans Gruber, Die Hard. Ron Burgundy, Anchorman. John Hammond, Uh, Jurassic Park. Yep. Lieutenant Dan, Uh, Forrest Gump. The Bride, Kill Bill. Nurse Ratched. One Flew Over the Cookies Nest. Ki Adi Mundi. (laughs) <laughs> uh, like Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the uh, Sith. I accept Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, okay. a member of the Jedi Council. There you go. That's the game one. got it. Nice ah, and quick. Easy, 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 He's flying. I got every single one. You got every single one. Well done. Uh, Syndrome was one. Didn't I was like, break let's just sweat. go left field with, <laughs> let's put a feeling out there and see if he gets it. Uh, but there you go. I'd like to hear if you got them yourself. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen. As always, you yes. know, we post new epi- episodes of this show every single one wednesday and guys check us out uh we've got other stuff coming out on the channel throughout the week and we've Mm -hmm. got instagram we've got tiktok give us not just not only like the things you see but also follow us as well so you can there's something funny share it with your friends yeah oh yeah definitely share it spread the word spread the love please we really appreciate it and we just appreciate your emails coming in as well it's great to have the support it's great to hear from you guys um next week as we've said we've got those three films coming out big films to talk about so stay tuned for part two that's it right see you next week see ya